on March 23rd, 2020, this podcast was born. Um, if we're being honest, it was supposed to start on January 1st, 2020, but, you know, I just uh, never pulled the trigger on it in a rare form of procrastination on my part. Um, this podcast debuted when the world was right in the middle of quarantine. Uh, we were a week, I was a week into working from home, um, where, you know, there, you know, we were all just scared of a disease and then a lot of other things happened. Um, and look, I'm going to be completely honest with you right now. Um, uh, whenever this, like, this is airing on March 15th, 2021, at least I hope. Um, in actuality, it's June 8th, 2020. I have recorded a year's worth of podcast episodes in Christ, <laughs> like two weeks. No, 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 no. March doesn't go into June. That would have been insane, but no, uh, no, more like two months, three months, close to uh, two and a half months. I've recorded a year's worth of podcast episodes in two months, two and a half months. And that's because uh, we're all under quarantine and we're not allowed to go outside. So uh, I record this hoping that everything is back to normal in March of 2021 and that, you know, we can all look back at 2020 and, you know, just be like, wow, that's that was a crazy, crazy times, some crazy times. Maybe maybe 2020 will be. Uh, an episode of this podcast one day uh, who knows but thank you all so much I hope that um, you know there are a lot more listeners um, and that you know a lot of people do genuinely enjoy this um, I know this is weird for a second because I'm, I'm being genuine and sincere uh, I checked based on uh, you know we've we've gone through about 12 episodes in real time uh today i think episode 12 actually released today which is insane because this is episode 52 i am literally 40 episodes ahead but but uh you know based on the statistics there 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 are actually about 20 people um 25 people that listen to this on a regular basis and so um i really do appreciate that and i hope that um when this airs that number is a lot higher and if it's not, that's okay, because I appreciate uh, all of you who listen. Um, why you're listening to this, I don't know. You, you got some serious problems. But uh, that's 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 me being genuine. So um, otherwise, let's, uh, let's learn about some animal heroes today. It's our weird world. Our weird world. Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson, and today we are finishing up. I don't know if this is season one or what. It's just the end of the first year, episode 52, because there are 52 weeks in a year, and this has been coming out every Monday for a year. Um, so crazy, but, you know, like, it happened. So, 
Um, yeah, we are going to finish up the first year of episodes with some stories about some animal heroes. Uh, we are going to look uh, at the Hartlepool Monkey, Boomer the Dog, Signalman Jack, and Mike the Chicken. So, you know, this will be fun. We're going to have some fun. It's story time. In 1805, Napoleon Bonaparte was waging war all over Europe. And at some point in that year, a French ship wrecked off the coast of Hartlepool along the northern coast of the British mainland, or British island. Uh, unfortunately, the only survivor of that ship was a monkey dressed in French naval attire because, I mean, how else were the French supposed to entertain themselves while on a ship? And the, the monkey apparently washed up on shore, and the residents of Hartlepool uh saw them i mean i imagine probably went something like this you know she's like i know angel why you think he sees oh i don't know rupert might be one of them french people the constable told us about what do you think we should do with it oh he's clearly invaded and now he's our prisoner let's try him for war crimes and that's exactly what they did uh, when the monkey was unsurprisingly unable to answer any questions because monkeys don't speak human language, uh, the locals in Hartlepool concluded that the monkey was actually a French spy and sentenced it to death by hanging. Uh, as you might expect, historians have asserted that no British town would be so stupid to not only accuse a monkey of being a French spy, but then to also execute said monkey on the beach. Um, so there, there are a lot of people who doubt the uh, truth to this story um there's a, a later theory emerged that um the lone survivor of the shipwreck was not an actual monkey but what was quote a powder monkey which was a term given to children who were employed on warships uh and their primary duty uh was to prime the ship's cannons with gunpowder um so you know maybe that that would make more sense um albeit you know doesn't make the story any you know uh nicer because you know the story does end with people hanging the monkey on the beach um you know and, and it's entirely possible that that's what it was i mean the or maybe the the hartlepoolians uh executed a small child either way uh either way though the the town of hartlepool has actually embraced this story um the local football club is named the hartlepool hangers or the monkey hangers the hartlepool monkey hangers there it is um and there are like monkey statues all over the town so um if you're ever in hartlepool england uh maybe you can figure out if this story was true or not but uh, that's, that's our first animal. I, I promise they're not all going to end in, in dying. Um, actually I take that back. All of these stories end in the animal dying. Um, but it's cute. It's, it's endearing. Like I hate, I hate movies and TV shows where they needlessly kill an animal. But I mean, look, we're, if we're being honest, like, I mean, all animals are going to die. That's what sucks. That's why I've never really wanted a pet anymore because I know they're going to die. And that's just how my brain works. Um, and I will absolutely sacrifice, you know, 10, 15 years of cuteness and happiness to avoid that one day where I find that pet dead. But whatever, you know, some people are just better than I am and that's okay. 
Uh, let's go, let's go to our second story. Um, Boomer the dog. He belonged to a fireman who worked for the Illinois Central Railroad in Maconda, Illinois, in the 1850s. Um, Boomer and this fireman were practically inseparable, except when uh, the fireman was working on the trains. And even then, as the train glided down the tracks, Boomer would run alongside and keep pace with the chugging train. Um, the owners, oh, I have something in my mouth, in my teeth. It's a piece of pepper. Gross. Anyway, I'm not even going to cut that out. Who cares? Um, the owners of the railway were not amused because having a dog match the speed of their train made their line seem slow. Uh, other railroad companies even began making fun of the local line for it just not being able to keep pace or, or go faster than a dog. And eventually the railroad owners got fed up with the red ridicule and devised a plan. So on September 2nd um, in 1850, I think, maybe at some point in the 1850s, uh, the Illinois Central Railroad bought the fa- or brought the fastest train in their fleet to Maconda. And they double-loaded the tender with wooden coal because I, like, apparently that's what makes trains, steam trains go faster. Um, and with Boomer's owner on board and Boomer waiting beside the tracks, the train set off down the line. And Boomer, not sensing anything different about this particular day, started trotting alongside like he always did. Then uh, the engineer and the fireman filled the boxes with the fuel, igniting a huge fire and sending the train roaring down the tracks. Uh, The pressure inside the boiler steadily rose. You know, the speed increased. The firebox door started glowing red. Dust and smoke were accompanying the steam as the train barreled down the line. And yet Boomer continued to keep pace as this train was going super fast. I mean, you know, by steam train standards, I guess. Um, suddenly the wheels started to overheat from the speed and the grease on the bearings caught fire, which then ignited the entire hot box on the train. And Boomer realized that the engineer and his owner were in big trouble and he needed water to put out the fire, but there just wasn't any in sight. It's Illinois. It's out in the middle of nowhere. You know, rivers and streams are pretty sparse. So Boomer decided to take matters into his own hands or pause or whatever uh he ran he got closer to the speeding train lifted his leg and actually attempted to pee on the fire to put it out um and and what was crazy about this is even on three legs and a stream of pee trailing him like the contrails of an airplane boomer was still somehow able to keep pace with the speeding train until he ran headfirst into a bridge pier and died instantly (laughs) and like look that story like for what it's worth everyone on board was able to put out the fire and survived and so nothing nothing else happened but like that story is allegedly 100 percent true um if it is that's pretty amazing like really sad that boomer died trying to save his master by peeing on him but but also just the comical way boomer died just three legs and a stream of piss and then just head first into a wooden beam Oh, that's that's gold. That's like Looney. That's Looney Tunes level comedy right there. Anyway, uh, our next story uh, goes uh, all the way over to South Africa. And one day uh, at some point in the early 1880s, James Wide, a railway signalman who walked around on pegs after losing both of his legs while trying to jump between rail cars, uh, was walking through a market in the South African town of uh, Utenhaj, I guess. I think it's Utenhaj, uh, when he saw something strange and he saw a baboon driving an ox cart. And Wide was immediately obsessed with this monkey or this baboon. And he, he bought the baboon from its owner, took him home, and actually began training the baboon to be his personal assistant. 
Um, the first thing Wyde trained this new baboon, which he named Jack, to do was to push him to and from work in a small trolley because it was really inconvenient trying to walk a half mile to work every day, you know, with nubs for legs you know and i mean like i'm sure you know they had if you look at pictures of signal man jack and his owner you know he had prosthetics i mean they were they looked kind of like stilts really and so you know especially in south africa when you know things probably aren't as great it's probably a giant pain to walk a half a mile um with stilt nubs or whatever um but before long, Jack was also sweeping the floors and taking out the trash. Uh, but since Jack needed to stay with Wide while he worked on the railway, Jack or, or you know Wide also began training Jack on how to work the signal box. Um, shockingly enough, like Jack quickly became one of the best signalmen on the railway. As trains approached the station at Utenhage, uh, the trains would blow their whistles to alert the signalmen to change the tracks. And Jack quickly was able to pick up the pattern by watching wide do it. And just, he started doing it by himself. Uh, Jack started doing it by himself. In 1890, though, uh, a disgruntled train passenger complained to the railway about the baboon working the signal box while Wide sat in the cabin stuffing birds. But rather than fire Wide, the company decided to actually do an official test of Jack's skills. Uh, George Howe, the railway superintendent, was so impressed with Jack's skills that he awarded the baboon an employment number and began paying him 20 cents per day and a half bottle of beer every week. Um, unfortunately, Jack died from tuberculosis, uh, later that year in 1890, but in the nine years that Jack worked the signal box, he never made a mistake. And that's, that's, that's pretty crazy. Our last story, uh, is about Mike the chicken on September 10th, 1949 in Fruta, Colorado. Lloyd Olson was sent out to the barn by his wife to grab a chicken to cook for dinner. Lloyd did as he was instructed and grabbed a five month old healthy chicken named Mike because, I, like, I get Olson was just apparently the kind of sicko that gave human names to the animals that he would eventually slaughter. Um, but Lloyd, like he had done so many times before, he grabbed his axe, held Mike down on the cutting board, and chopped Mike's head off. Um, but there was just one problem. Like, even though Mike's head had been separated from his body, Mike was totally fine. Um, in Lloyd's haste to get the job done quickly, he had actually completely missed Mike's jugular vein, brainstem, and one of his ears. And at that point, Lloyd decided to not put Mike out of his misery and instead began feeding him worms and small pieces of grain. He even started dropping milk and water down his throat with an eyedropper. Um, but aside from losing most of his head, like Mike continued living life as a normal chicken. He sat on his perch. He tried to preen, him, preen himself, though that kind of proved to be a challenge without a beak. Uh, and he even continued to cluck, even though it kind of sounded more like a really nauseating gargle coming from, you know, an open hole in his throat. You know, rather than, you know, rather than like, it was probably more like, you know, something gross like that. Uh, soon Mike's story began spreading and before long, Mike was not only a local celebrity, but he was a national sensation. Uh, Mike actually began touring with a sideshow company and had several features published in like time and life magazines. Um, the shows that he traveled with charged a 25 cent admission for viewing, which ultimately earned Lloyd as much as $4,500 a month. Uh, some sources indicate that Mike, the chicken was valued at $10,000. Uh, two years after Mike's career took off, it came to a very unexpected and tragic end. Um, one night while at a hotel in Phoenix on their way back uh, to Colorado from another tour, Mike uh, just overdosed on corn kernels and died. And, you know, by overdosing, I mean, he got one kernel that was way too big for his throat stuck in his windpipe. Um, again, 
that's I don't know. I don't know why it's funny to me. Um, Lloyd had accidentally left his feeding and cleaning supplies at the sideshow um, and was unable to save uh, the poor chicken. Um, in the years actually following Mike's tragic death, the town of Fruta, Colorado, began holding the annual Mike the Headless Chicken Day. Um, festivities at this, uh, you know, community gathering include a 5K run like a headless chicken race. I'm sure that looks insane. Um, you know, and there are also just a bunch of other, you know, chicken themed games and events. And that concludes today's stories. So there we go. Um, you know, normally at this point, we kind of talk about what we learned today. But, you know, since it's the end of the first year, let's let's take a look back at what we've learned through these first 52 episodes. What did we learn? Number one, yes, I do have a personality. Um, <laughs> one of the one of the big things that people commented on after listening to a few episodes is like, "Wow, I never knew this side of you. You're always so quiet and reserved when you're around everyone." Yeah, I'm an introvert, and also probably crazy. Like, who sits in a dark room most of the time? It's dark, and just talks out loud in front of their computer and then records it. And then, like, tells people to go listen to it. That's weird behavior. Who, like, yeah, uh, that's weird behavior. Um, <laughs> number two, uh, you know, this is a really weird world. And, you know, I think it's always um, good to keep that in mind. You know, how, despite how crazy or scary uh, things might get in the world, if you understand history and, you know, know a lot of the weird or terrible or just downright horrifying things that have happened you know 50 100 200 a thousand years ago it makes it you know it doesn't make it better but it makes it a little bit more palatable and it kind of gives you hope that you know you're gonna get through it um number three here's something new that you're about to learn um at some point towards the end of this second year of podcasts, we will hopefully get to our 100th episode. And I'm going to make this commitment right now that for episode 100, I am going to get absolutely plastered, just completely wasted. And I'm going to try to record that episode. Um, I, you know, we'll see how that goes, but it's going to be fun to uh celebrate uh binge drinking and alcoholism um and then learn about something weird so can't wait for that next week on our weird world we are starting year number two uh with a two-part series on early Christian martyrs. And uh, we're going to look at the stories of Ebby, Edmund, Dennis, Theodosia, and George. Uh, and then also, how about a sneak preview for what to expect in year number two? 
Uh, we're going to look into some more cults. Um, we're going to have an episode on horrible moms. We're going to cover Joe Exotic, the Tiger King. Um, we may have uh, an episode that is worse than David Parker Ray in terms of just being the worst episode ever. Um, we're going to talk about uh, some strange epidemics. We're going to have our sexiest episode ever. <laughs> um, we're going to have an episode about terrible terrorists. Uh, serial Killer September is coming back. Um, along with um, our scary October uh, Halloween-themed episodes, um, lots of war stories, um, and also you know some other serial killers, um, and, and a lot of other stuff in between. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, next season's going to be just as weird, if not weirder. So thank you all for listening. Seriously, I, I do actually appreciate it. Um, even if in public I kind of brush it off, um, you know, it's glad that someone cares to listen to this, whatever this is. So thank you all. Uh, keep telling all your friends and remember always keep it weird. (laughs) 